0: This episode of Kidlet These Days is sponsored by Book Riot's Mystery Thriller Podcast, Red or Dead. It's spooky season readers. Get your thrills with Red or Dead, Book Riot's bi-weekly mystery fiction podcast dedicated to the worlds of mystery and thriller literature. Join hosts and genre experts, Rincey and Katie, as they catch up on mystery and thriller news, chat about new releases, and recommend your next mystery and thriller reads, including your favorite subgenres like True Crime cozies, procedurals, and all things Halloween appropriate. Get Red or Dead, that's R-E-A-D or Dead, on your podcatcher of choice. And welcome to episode 40 of Kidlit These Days, a Book Riot podcast. At Kidlit These Days, we are your kidlit connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Nicole Young alongside Matthew Winner, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on October 11th, 2020. Hi, Matthew. Hey. Oh, and we're talking about ancestry.
1: <laughs> we are, indeed. Ancestry, ancestral strength. We're talking about looking to the past to find strength for the future. This is going to be a great, great chat. I'm excited. How have you been? You know, I've been all right. I've been busy. We've all been busy. Um, actually, <laughs> as of recording this, looking ahead, you know, I- I've mentioned that I'm, I'm in physical school. And that I have, uh, uh, lunch and recess duty outside. And I have, mm-hmm. I have, uh, in addition to teaching in front of children, which is going great, but, uh, it is currently raining where I am and oh. it will be a rainy week. And I'm like, oh no, it's going to be our first indoor recess, but we, you know, to be safe are, uh, because of COVID, uh, we are eating lunch outside under tents, under different tents. Okay. Um, and <laughs> and the goal is for us to be out there, rain or shine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh no, gosh. we're gonna be eating Wait, in the so rain. So tell me
0: about these tents. Are you have like huge tents set up in the plate on the playground? Yeah, right?
1: picture like uh, if you had like a catered event. Um, yeah, we have around our the, the the premises of the school. We have five tents set up with tables underneath. About gosh, about eight tables all spaced out. So about two kids per table, spaced out. Uh, and and these are our five zones so each homeroom uh goes to a different zone per day we rotate and you eat at this one tent and then you play in this one area so our students when they have lunch recess are with their partner teacher with me um they eat lunch as a class and then they go to recess as a class they do not it's not like a grade wide lunch or a grade wide recess lunch is brought to us in um like packaged containers yeah so wow. it's it's a different procedure but it's it's one I think that works really well. It um isolates a lot of you know change of hands and things like that. Um it it's it's going but it is a it is a completely different way to do school than we did oh last my gosh. year. <laughs> <laughs> Um, How are the
0: kids adjusting like you you and I've talked about how it is on the the teachers and workload, but I'm curious how it's how it's been for the kids so far.
1: I mean, when I go into classes to teach all the specialists, we go to the classes rather than them going to the art room or them going to the library. So that's weird, right? But we we do want to cut down on kids moving around the building. So uh, I'm seeing we're all seeing kids just in their room all day. Which mm-hmm. which is, is fine, but it also means as as teachers, we are being very, very sensitive to them being in one spot all day, because it's hard to be in one spot all day. And so yes. when they get to recess, boy, do they want to run around, and that is great. <laughs> and they're, the kids, they're, I would say their parents, are um, instructing them really well. The kids are wonderful about wearing masks and being careful and washing hands. They're really, really good about that. But I think... Uh, depending on what time of day you catch them, or maybe any time of day, it's just hard to sit still, hard to be in one place. Mm-hmm. So I've been mm-hmm. saying to children a lot, um, they all also want to go and help each other when we're working on the computer. And Mr. Winter, I can't get this thing to work. Three of them want to jump up out of their seats and go to help and their help, neighbor. And because
0: they're helpers. And I, <laughs> so
1: you hear me say almost daily to them, whatever your name is, it breaks my heart to say this, but you can't go help them Mm -hmm. i need to go help them but know that i see you i see that you want to help i see that you do um i will go over there and if you want to call out instructions you do that i'm I'm with you on that but i gotta be the one to go over um and so they hear that and they're adjusting and uh, throughout my teaching i'm sure every teacher is doing this as well i'm i'm telling them that like hey listen while i teach If you need to get up behind your chair and do Mm -hmm. some like chair stretches and things like that, please do. It's not as long as you are not deliberately distracting your classmates or me, I'm completely okay with that. And my tolerance and patience for distractions is going up, so you're good. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, you're Mm -hmm. good. So we're I wonder trying.
0: often about how much like the new practices like what of the covid learning environment will come like when there's a point when there is a vaccine when we're back to something that looks a little bit more like normal what will come
1: what's with it stay? I think
0: yeah what's yeah, going to what stay stays? because i think that that as a practice right it's it's like you all are doing it because you understand how hard it is for little people to be in seats yeah. all day i mean it's hard for me as a grown person to be in a, in the same place all day taking all of my calls all of my work stuff but I think about that as a practice. And I think when I was leading a high school, that was kind of, I, I was okay with kids getting up. If they had to get up and go stand in the corner, I was like, fine. If you were falling asleep in your chair, go stand up over there in the corner. That's fine with me. Um, but I think it's like maybe less common with the the littles. And so I wonder if that is, I wonder if that's a thing that might stick.
1: My prediction is actually going to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, typically in elementary school, you have a wild number of transitions because you're coming in and out of the room you're going to specials you might be going to a different math teacher or i don't know you're getting spanish so you're going to a different room for that it is like transition on top of transition Mm -hmm. without having that many transitions because i'm going to them we do in a sense have uh, more time for instruction, but kids also need more breaks. So Mm -hmm. I I think what we'll see is sort of a split down the middle. Uh, We'll see how that goes. I think it's also really hard. uh, Some of these things like them not going to an art room or them not going to a library. I think that needs to go back to what it was. There's there's a lot Mm -hmm. of value in going to a specialized space, right? Mm -hmm. But... The way that now we're doing different schedules, they see me for 10 days on and then essentially 10 weeks off while the other classes rotate in through me. So the classes I'm seeing now I see for these two solid weeks and then I see the next class and then the next class and then the next class and the next and then it rotates back to them. And in fourth grade, there are six different classes. So it will take your two weeks that I teach you uh, and then 10 weeks to get through the other five classes and then I'll, then I'll be back with you for two weeks. That is also, I think, incredibly difficult. Maybe when you get uh, to upper grades and you're sort of used to doing these <laughs> sort of semesters with a teacher, that would mm-hmm. work. But uh, I think there's something to be said for us being in the lives of children a little bit more regularly in the elementary school level. Mm-hmm. I like that I'm able to have uh, build on lessons over a 10-day period. That's awesome. Uh, but... Um, it's not it's not awful to have to wait a week to see me next. It's not awful to be able to be in the library and be able to return books that way and do that cuz book circulation is you know how public libraries are doing book circulation, how you can put in requests and then they have contactless pickup. Yeah. I'm doing that on top of teaching. Oh, my gosh. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) You know, but we're getting off topic. Why don't we jump into our our sponsor? We can do all the episodes about (laughs) how we're all being seen and valued through this. And that's all good. It is all good. (laughs) It it is is, all good. I know you know. Um, I'll lose track of time, though, if I don't. So let me just jump in and say that this episode, this episode is sponsored by Frankie and the Creepy Cute Critters by Caitlin Rose Boyle from Oni Lion Forge Publishing Group. So Frankie Ferry loves to learn about creepy crawly critters in her own backyard. And now that she's at a new school, she's excited to learn even more about them. Instead, she learns that the other fairy kids in class think she's the creepy one. Oh, doesn't that hurt your heart? Mm. Mm -hmm. Is Frankie really that scary? If she is, is that really a bad thing? Maybe creepy crawly friends can help her figure it out. So this book does include real facts about creatures like snakes and bats and opossums and more. But it also teaches readers to embrace the differences that they have and share the passions that they find with their peers. So uh, look for it in stores now. Thank you, Oni Lion Forge Publishing Group, for sponsoring our episode.
0: Yay. So, ancestral strength, Matthew. You Mm, posed this topic, and I was so excited about it. Oh, wait, let's go back. Um,
1: Nicole, let's go back because I didn't... I didn't lead this round with a topic. I led oh, yeah. with a book. You did. Right? Because the book, the guest that we have <laughs> just just shook me. And I interviewed her on the Children's Book Podcast, and, and you had a chance to interview her for this episode. And as we were like, how can we talk about a topic around this? As you said, it was, well, what about deriving strength from the history that you come from, the legacy that you come from. And I was so glad to hear that, that you also uh, had, had uh, sparked a lot of interest in that topic.
0: Yeah, I just love this idea. Um, we were, so after you and I talk, um, you'll get to hear this interview that with Tammy Charles about her newest book, all because you matter, and she and I got into this conversation kind of about ancestry and ancestral strength, and that was even before you and I had talked about it post the episode oh, so so when awesome. you said that it's it was like <laughs> it was it was to- totally kismet. And I, I think um, I shared with you before that when I was a kid, and then like late, like early nineties. There was this wave of kids' literature that was really focused on African American folktales, right? So there were, it was um, A Story, A Story came out, Anansi the Spider came out, um, Abe Yo Yo, and then People Could Fly. And they were all these written versions of both African and African American folklore. And it was really about this transmission of ancestral knowledge and ancestral strength um, through storytelling. And I was telling you when you said the ancestral strength thing, it definitely resonates in the themes of Tammy's books. Um, not just this book, but also with her soup jumu, which is about a traditional Haitian soup. And, um, but it just makes me it made me think of folktales and about that time in kids literature i had a hard time finding more recent versions of that but at that time it's like in african and african american cultures oral history is how you transmit ancestral strength ancestral knowledge learnings um and all of that and so it was amazing to have that moment be or that be captured in a moment of kids literature and so i just love the idea of talking about ancestral strength i love it i love it
1: i you know i have an interesting thing that I did not share with you pre recording about ancestral strength that I wanted to share, um, and that is that you know sometimes sometimes we find our strength in knowing that the way our ancestors lived doesn't define the way we live, mm-hmm. so if I take it from that angle, if i 'm uh, able to share from that angle, I think about my pappy, my great grandfather, my Pappy, and nana, who I did not know very well um But um, my pappy and nana were uh, grew up in central Pennsylvania. My um, pappy started a hardware store in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, um, with um, a a friend, and that store remains in my family to this day. And it's 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 yeah. So that's neat to have that be passed down. But when my nana passed, uh, my mom and her sisters. We're going through the house to see like what what is there my grandmother was offering them to they can keep whatever they find whatever is there anything special you want to keep and they found uh two things that are are hard for me to reconcile one they found a photo of my pappy on a horse with a woman um that that uh is uh, that my mom believed to be, or my uh, grandmother believed to be, um, that that she was a Cherokee woman, um, and so this man, perhaps my pappy, I don't remember, uh, married a Cherokee woman. Um, that was hard because then when I when I carried that forward into a relatively recent context, I learned that that was something that. Uh, because of tools like Ancestry.com and things like that there's lots of people that like to claim that they have in particular cherokee ancestry and mm-hmm. so there's there's a possibility that, that photo there's a good possibility that that photo is being read into that um that that photo could just be um uh, someone dressing up because of this other thing that I'm about to share, which is that they um found in a box in my um great grandfather's closet his um his robes for the kkk Oh, Uh, that he was a a leader in the kkk he was um not a not a what's the leader leader like a grand wizard not a grand wizard but he was whatever it was there was insignia indicating that he was some like high higher up leader and so to reconcile like what where do i come from what does this mean and what how do i reconcile this is something that when when i was texting you earlier in the week about ancestry it just as i was reflecting it just immediately brought me to that place what does that mean for me to come from a, at least a man like that what does that mean how does that what does that mean about me um and and what i've been taught uh or what i've internalized it's it's a hard confusing thing uh, it's not something i'm willing to hide or ignore or run from it's something I want to lean into and allow it to be an awkward part of my history, an uncomfortable part of my history, but one that I own and one that I don't let define me, but one that I also don't don't hide. Mm-hmm. So. um, So as we led into and as as I also separately had this wonderful conversation with Tammy and texted you that I was so excited for you to talk to her, Um, I thought about those words that she laid out for her son, right? Her son was the inspiration Mm -hmm. for this book and Brian Collier, the illustrator of um, this picture book uh, modeled the boy in the book after her son. So uh, that was something that I've, that, that I've been carrying with me and, and the importance of deriving strength from a lineage of oppression or of leadership or of overcoming or of, of anything that we all, we come from a history. We don't come from nothing.
0: Yeah. I think something you're saying is sparking. One of my friends um, always talks about how you, you can choose your ancestors, like the people who you, you view as a part of your ancestral Past, Of course, you've got your ancestors that you're related to, but then there are other people whose lives or whose work can guide you forward, right? I think about that a lot. Like, Toni Morrison is an ancestor of mine, even though, you know, she's not related to me. Mm. Um, and I think that others since, you know, Ruth Bader Gin- Ginsburg has passed, have really talked about her as an as a ancestor for themselves. And so I, I think about that in terms of what you're talking about of your actual, you know, blood-related ancestry. But then also thinking about who are the ancestors that predate that you whose who's life you want to influence your life. I think it's such a power, powerful idea um, of, of expanding the concept of what it means to be an ancestor. And also thinking about what kind of ancestor you will be when the time comes.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, I had such a good talk with Tammy um, just about how beautiful that book is um, and how it taps into something both through her writing, but then I think also through uh, Brian Collier's um, illustration. She and I spent a good time talking about um, the illustrations and how vivid they were um, and in eliciting that feeling that you're talking about, right? Like this connectedness, this um, moving forward from the place that we've come from. Um, I think they just convey that so beautifully through the art. So I can't wait for you to hear it. So, Tammy Charles is our guest today. Tammy is a former teacher and a full-time author of picture books, middle grade, and young adult novels, and nonfiction. She is the author of the 2018 middle grade novel, novel, Like Vanessa, which came out in 2018, and picture books like Freedom Soup, and her newest release, All Because You Matter, which is out now. Uh, Tammy, thank you so much for joining Kidlet these days. Thank you
2: so much for having me.
0: Yay. Um, first before we dive in, I wanna tell you that my the Freedom Soup Book is like one of my favorites. My co-host Matthew introduced me to it. And um, my my family, one side of my family is Haitian, and so soup jammu is like a thing that we do every year. And it was so exciting to see it like immortalized in a book, in a kids' book form. It was awesome.
2: So you know the power of that soup then.
0: It's so amazing.
2: <laughs> that soup is so good. And it's starting to get cold out. So I'm like, ooh, soup season's coming.
0: Yes. <laughs> My mom makes it every year and it is like it is a thing because she has to go to the Caribbean, like the little Caribbean store to get the right pumpkins and stuff. Oh, so. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta do it right. Uh, well, Tammy, I read your gorgeous new book, All Because You Matter. And in your author's note, you explain um, that the book is a response to the current racial climate that we're all in. Um, yes. And it's for your son. And so I'm curious can you tell me more about your motivation for writing this book at this time?
2: Absolutely. So, as far as when I wrote it, I wrote it in 2018. Oh. Um, I wrote it from a dream, actually, (laughs) I dreamt the words, I saw the art, I woke up in the morning, and I got it all written down. And that never, ever happens, by the way. But it was like, the topic had been on my mind, the minute I found out that I was going to become a mother. So that was like, my motivation. When I Had my son Christopher, especially when he was physically here on this earth. I remember just looking at him and just wanting to freeze time. I wanted to Mm. keep him in that space of, you know, first words and first steps because I knew on the outside, in the real world, there were some scary things going on, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a surge and uprisings of of uh, injustices against people of color particularly black people and i really wanted to keep my son shielded from that i wanted to just keep him in a bubble but we all know that that's not possible <laughs> time doesn't mm-hmm. wait for anyone mm-hmm. these kids they grow up and you know he entered school and he met you know students from all walks of life and that part's been beautiful but my son also experienced things, you know, and I, I knew that he would start to have questions about, uh, for example, one of his earliest questions to me, I think he was like five or six. He said, we learned about Dr. King in school. Why, if he was such a good guy, why did they hurt him? So Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, having, you know, as a mom, how do you explain that? He's like five or six. And Like such an eloquent thought and question. Um, So I knew that I had to really start peeling back these layers and and not really walk in fear. And finally, I had all these words and, and feelings bottled up. I finally felt like I could put those thoughts together when I had that dream. And the dream just basically told me that, okay, he's growing up. Going to have some tough talks with him, but before we even reach that po- that part, you know, I need to remind him of his worth because mm-hmm. he'll he'll go through life and there will be moments where he maybe you know felt that he is less than. I want him to know that he matters, and here are all the ways that he matters. Here are the people who laid the groundwork. For you to know this as fact. If the universe. Was created. You know. They, I have a line that says. They say that matters. All things that make up the, up the universe. Energy. Stars. Space. Well clearly. The universe. Made room for you. Mm-hmm. So that was really kind of like my starting point. My motivation. For writing this. I wanted to write a love letter. First and foremost to my son. And it's been an amazing journey for us. My son is 10 years old now, and he is just, he's the best little guy. You know, he's bright, he's funny, he's energetic, he's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I feel like this book has given him permission to put his curiosity on full display.
0: I love it. Yeah,
2: he knows that he can come to me and ask me anything and not be afraid of it. And that's the, that's the type of climate that I'm trying to create with this book for everyone. You know, it's our job as parents and caregivers, adults to, to make our children feel safe, create a loving, safe environment. So that's what this book has done for me and my son. And I really hope that it does the same for other families.
0: I love that. And I love, I got chills when you said uh, that you had created, you know, you want it to be a love letter for your son. I think that's just so beautiful. And the idea that it came to you in a, um, in a dream, and especially like both the story and the illustrations brings me to my next question, which is, I love uh, Brian Collier's like illustrations throughout this whole book. It's gorgeous. And there is this piece, cause you started off with the, you know, matter and throughout the entire piece, there's this kind of stariness that goes on in the background of every yeah. every frame, right? And it just for me, I thought it was like this kind of subtle vision of of limitless black life, absolutely. Um, and so I was curious, like, what are you hoping? You talked about creating a conversation, but what are you hoping to inspire in the minds of black children and even parents as they're reading this book?
2: I love everything that Brian did. He is. Such a legend, and it's been a real honor to collaborate on this book with him. I'm hoping that between the words and the art, specifically Black children, I want them to know that they mattered before they even got here. Mm -hmm. And here's why our ancestors, all of the work that they did, and they suffered too, they did all of that so that we could be here today in this moment. But just because they did all that work, that doesn't mean that their work is done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's our turn now, it's my son's turn now. You know, now we have to take that knapsack of wishes and hopes and dreams that the ancestors had for us, it's our turn to carry it and navigate through life and pass the torch. The work is not done. The work is, the work is in our voices. It's in when we take a stand, um, it's in our marches, it's in everything that we do. So I want children, particularly black children, to know that you have to carry this on. It's your job now. But as yeah. you you know, do that, wear it with pride. There's so much to be proud of, even when there are headlines that say otherwise.
0: I think the pride piece carries so beautifully throughout the book, I think. And that, and maybe that's the part where, you know, you're writing as a letter to your son in particular. It's just so clear, this, yes. this theme of, of being proud of who you are and what you are and the presence that you have in the universe. It's just such a clear thread um, throughout the whole book. I love it. Thank you. Um, you're such a versatile author. You write in young adult, you write in middle grades, you write in picture books. If I'm not mistaken, your next book is a novel in verse. Is that right?
2: Oh my gosh. That book.
0: (laughs) I'm stunned. That is a stunning feat. And so I wonder, you know, in all of your writing, you're still conveying such complex and beautiful stories. And you mentioned the knapsack part of All Because You Matter, but that Mm is a a page that really, like really stuck out to me where you describe each child as a knapsack of their ancestors' wishes. That's such a beautiful idea. Thank you. I'm curious like what kind of considerations are you making as an author as you're writing in these very different registers.
2: So, the one thing that I want to show in my in my writing is I want to show the fullness of us. And by that I mean when it's my turn to leave <laughs> this earth and, and and be with the ancestors, I'd like for my legacy to be a body of work that shows the full spectrum of what it means to be a person of color, black or brown. What does that mean? We're not a monolith. There isn't just one lived black experience, right? So I would, I would like when I'm writing, I want my work to show, yeah, I have, I have some stories that, that do show black pain, but I want black joy. I want black happiness. <laughs> I mm-hmm. want stories about kids from the inner city. I want to write stories about kids who live in the suburbs
0: mm-hmm.
2: too, because you know what? We're everywhere. There's no one way for us to be. So I, I try to write in a way that really shows, you know, how full we are as a people with the hopes that it shows that we for those reasons, we matter and we demand the same respect as anyone else. So that's what I try to show through my work across the board. Picture books, middle grade, YA.
0: I love it. I Again, this novel in verse. I can't wait till it comes out. I'm going to be like, this is... I mean, the idea of writing even a picture book in verse is so daunting to me. So the idea that you wrote, it's, is it middle grades or YA? The, the It's novel a YA.
2: Verse? Yeah. Okay. It's a YA novel in verse about a girl in a singing group who, um, and she kind of gets caught up with someone who tries to take her power, but she learns how to fight back for herself, for her family and for her friends. So it, it's actually, it stems from the fact that when I was back in my day, I was in a singing group (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we, we met a couple of characters along the way. There's monsters lurking everywhere, you know, in the entertainment industry and especially in the music industry, people are always trying to take advantage of you, but, you know, luckily that's not, you know, what happened to me and, and my singing group, but I did write from that perspective. So. I'm excited for that. Mute comes out February 2nd.
0: Awesome. Um, so with that in mind, what children's books are you loving right now? What are you excited about on the kid lit horizon? We've got so many great things that are coming out in the next few months, oh including your own work. But like, what, tell me what you're excited about.
2: Oh, man, I, there's so many. How much time you got?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just
2: finished reading Ways to Make Sunshine by Renee Watson who I love love her um and that was like such a good book it it reminded me of Ramona Quimby because I read Ramona Quimby growing up and I'm like dang why didn't this exist when I was a kid I'm so thankful for Renee's work um I did just get three keys by Kelly Yang. I can't wait to dive into that because I absolutely loved Front Desk.
0: Front Desk is amazing. So Matthew and I talk about Front Desk basically every episode of this podcast. It's really,
2: it's really (laughs) such a good book. And I was, I was so excited to meet her in person because she is just a gem. She's a doll. So like, she's just a super, super nice person. So that was that was really nice to like get that book in the mail, so I can't wait to read that. I just finished reading Black Brother, Black Brother mm-hmm. by Jewel Parker Rhodes. I love her work. Ghost Boys was amazing. At, I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now. Um, Twins comes out. I think Twins comes yes. out tomorrow. Varian it Johnson, does. Shannon. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so I'm excited for that. And also Jerry Craft's uh, Class Act comes out tomorrow. And my son is super excited because he really loved new kid. So I'm like, Jerry terrific. Yeah. I'm like, Jerry, you need to pop out some more books because my (laughs) my son will devour those books, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of books that I'm loving right now. There's a lot of books that I refer back to often. Mm -hmm. Like they're not like newly published, but one of my favorite picture books is drum dream girl. By Margarita oh, Engel. Oh, gosh, it's glorious. It is um, written in verse and it's a picture book biography of a Cuban African Chinese girl. It's set in Cuba. And she um, she was told she can't play the drums. And she proved everyone wrong. I, and it's a true story, by the way. I love stories mm. about, you know, girls with grit. Yes. So Yeah. So I refer back to that all the time.
0: See, I told you I could keep going. (laughs) (laughs) No, those are some great. I mean, I think our listeners are going to love this. Um, And drum dream girl, you just added one to my list. So that is perfect.
2: Oh, it's beautiful. Um, I've read it like at least a hundred times.
0: Tammy, thank you so, so much for joining us on Kidlet These Days. I'm just so excited about your book coming out. It's out, well, it's out tomorrow, but by the time this podcast gets published, um, it'll be already out. So everyone run out and get All Because You Matter. Um, Yay. Thank you so much, Tammy. <laughs> thank you. This episode is sponsored by Spark and the League of Ursus by Robert Repineau from Quirk Books. Toy Story meets Stranger Things in this epic tale of warrior teddy bears and the children they protect. Spark is not your average teddy bear. She's soft and cuddly, yes, but she's also a member of the League of Versus, a secret society of stuffed animals tasked with protecting children from monsters. And When a terrifying creature appears in her home, Spark must call upon her fellow toys to protect our world from what lies beneath. It will be a heroic chapter in the history of the league if the bears live to tell the tale this is a middle grade debut from robert refinel he's author of morte cul-de-sac and Arc, which um make up the critically acclaimed war with no name series
1: yeah right it sounds Um, good doesn't it i know that there's a sequel (laughs) for this book too that'll come out in 2021 but when it's the toy story meets stranger things i think like boy at that acquisition table when those editors were talking like come (laughs) on that is just amazing. I looked up the cover also, for this book. It's It looks fantastic. <laughs>
0: I have to look it up. But also Stranger Things gets so much uh, love in the middle grades like description space because that's also how they described one of the books we we're talking about soon. Like they said it was uh, Ghostbusters meets Stranger Things. So. <laughs> ah, nice!
1: It's a good shorthand. We all—it's like a great, it yeah, is. point of, of of reference culturally that we all know. It is. That's awesome. <laughs> well, let me jump us into these books that we're so excited to share. This is our book talk segment. Uh, remember that always, always we will share all of the titles that we list in our show notes that you can access at bookriot.com/slash/listen. Find episode number forty of Kidlit these days. We also are going to share a bunch of books, but I know that there are more, and we would love for you to share them with us over social media. When you do, just tag us at um, hashtag kidlit these days, uh, whether it's on Facebook or or. Uh, Twitter or wherever. A lot of you know us on Twitter. We love that you tag us on Twitter. That's awesome. <laughs> Keep doing that. We will always give you love back. But you also can email us using days at bookriot.com. That's a great way to get a hold of us, too. So, Nicole, start us off with the book that was the first book both of, both of us thought of. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, it's The Undefeated. We've talked about this book before. It's written by Kwame Alexander and illustrated by one of my favorites, Kadir Nelson. And I... Love this book. And I love it um, in terms of this conversation about ancestral strength, because even the cover image, right, which is like Muhammad Ali with the, like, on the cover um, with his arms open in victory, is about just channeling the strength of the ancestors. And it's all of the things, right? It's like both their triumphs and the darkest moments. I've shared before when we've talked about this book. Um, the, there's like a page around the middle passage and the slaves who were stolen, the enslaved people who were stolen from their homes and brought to America. And one, to just touch that in a children's book and to do it so beautifully is one thing, but also to know to the point we were making earlier that your ancestry is everything, right? It is both the high points and the low points. And we must learn how to craft our, like our way forward from both of them. And so the undefeated, it's great.
1: Love it. There's, um so many other books we can build on from there and resources we can build on from there. And I was just adding on to our doc because I was like, wait, I thought of another picture book. But um, why don't I go to that one first? The one I just Mm -hmm. came to mind. I don't know why I didn't have it before. We've mentioned before on this podcast, Going Down Home with Daddy by Kelly Starling Lyons, illustrated by Daniel Minter. This got a, a Caldecott honor. Daniel got a Caldecott honor for this book. And it's a picture book about exactly what it says, going down home. Um, a family is going um, to a family reunion, and and the child in the story, the boy in the story, um, everyone will gather around and, and share a story or a song or a talent, and he doesn't know what to share. And he ultimately shares this story, I'm going to spoil it, but he ultimately shares the story of coming from this land that's been part of the family's land for since since um, his family was was working that land um, uh, when they were slaves. It's a beautiful, powerful and, and quite honestly, an understated story. And I think that's why it it just hits so hard, because you can sit with it and it's it's gorgeous. So if you have not yet read Going Down Home with Daddy, uh, this is a, a great time to be reading that and, and loving that. I've got another picture book before we move on. Is that, do you think we should stick with picture books? Yes. Cool. Yes. Cause this is one that is n- another one of those, like Nicole and Matthew regularly recommend this book. <laughs> so let's <laughs> add it again. And that is Alma and how she got her name by Juana Martinez Neil. And, and this is the book of a girl named Alma, Sofia Esperanza, Jose, Pora Candela. And she asks about her name and her father tells her about each part of her name, and her mother tells her about each part of her name. This name, we named you Sofia because of this person. We named you Jose because of this person. Um, and And the idea that this name that you carry literally carries your ancestors and the strength that they had in raising a family, in protesting, in overcoming the Depression... Uh, it, it, it's, it's an outstanding story. It's a moving story. Uh, and it is in a, in a small way, uh, autobiographical, uh, of Juana and her own name. So it, it it's just beautiful. And one that I think will be around forever, deserves to be around forever. Uh, and so if you have not yet read Alma and how she got her name by Juana Martinez-Neal, definitely make sure you do.
0: I love that. Also, Matthew, that makes me think of a line in All Because You Matter that Tammy and I talked about for a little bit. But there's this page where it says, "You are a knapsack of all your your ancestors' dreams." Right? Like mm-hmm. they put all of their dreams in, and it's such a beautiful imagery. Um, and I think about that in terms of the names too. Our names are these these records of of the of the our families and who they were as well right and who they weren't like there's there's stuff that's not represented there too but um i love it okay so ghost squad i've talked about before i love it by claribel ortega um i think it's a beautiful uh reflection on um on Ancestry. So you, Lucelli, who is the main character, her family, um, she can see her, the ghosts of her family. They live all around her in the form of fireflies. And she has her beautiful firefly tree. Um, and they they like live around and she sees them every day. And she is surrounded by the ancestry that has shaped her and her family. Um, and her dad ends up, he, he falls into some financial trouble. And she and her best friend, Sid, um, have to try to one help her dad um, get out of the trouble that he's in and get, save his floundering ghost tour business, but then they also have to save the world from invading evil spirits. And it is great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love great when I can hear the <laughs> smile come to your face. You were reading that. <laughs> or you, you were you were you were sharing that description so like, focused and energetically. And then suddenly, I just heard the smile come to your face. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good.
0: So, um, and I just, it's such a beautiful reflection of ancestry. So yeah,
1: wonderful. I'm gonna wrap us up by sharing two books. And I'll, I'll mention a couple others uh, to keep in mind. Um, I thought uniquely of a book I'm reading right now ties into legacy in a way that I I, I, I think is not the same as what we uh, have talked about before and that's a book called the last last day of summer by, by Lamar Giles. Uh, it's got illustrations by Dapo Adiello and it's, it's got a sequel coming out as of us recording this. It'll come out next week on October 20th. The sequel is called the last mirror on the left, but halfway through this audiobook of the last last day of summer, it just is striking me how it's about these two boys. Um, Otto and Sheed, and they, th- this is without question a, I don't know, like an episode of the Powerpuff Girls meets the Phantom <laughs> Tollbooth novel. It's Ooh, wild. That's
0: great. The, that sounds fun. The
1: threats that go on in this book, the threats from <laughs> chapter one, Nicole, I'm on chapter 10. I'm a third of the way through the book, I think, according to the audiobook uh thing. I'm a third of the way, I believe, but the the threats that are coming in, are like the giant monsters attacking the city. (laughs) But the legacy here is that these boys, the the book starts off being like, well, what are we going to do to get a third key to the city? You know, we already got those last two. (laughs) And there's this other (laughs) rival that already has these, and we can't let her have more keys to the city than we do. And I'm like, wait, did I miss like 12 books before this? No, that's the way Lamar has written this story, and I Love it. I'm obsessed with it. I gotta be honest, though. (laughs) It's not an audiobook I can listen to while doing other things. It has so much going on that it requires my attention. And I don't get audiobooks much like that. Many audiobooks I listen to, I enjoy them and I take them in, but I can sort of be driving or be doing other things and it's okay. This book demands my attention and is so entertaining and amazing. There's something that happens with time they, they don't want time to end. So suddenly, time freezes. And they're trying to figure out, like, what happened that has made time freeze. And they go to see Father Time. And Father Time has Minutemen and Second Guessers. And I'm like, all of these plays on words are wild! And, um... <laughs> They go to the highest court in the land, which is the high school, because the high school is at the highest place. And they go to the basketball court <laughs> in the high school. Because oh, so the basketball funny court I is therefore the highest I'm like, this is I can't I love it. Clearly I can't like I can't sit and really describe this. I'm just fanning out over it. <laughs> but the way it speaks to legacy lived is just awesome. So I, these boys are living a legacy in their story. So I wanted to shout that one out, mm. that series out. Um, and the other one I spend I want to spend time with is a book called Legacy, Women Poets of the Harlem Renaissance by Nikki Grimes, an author that I respect perhaps more than any other. I just love and adore Nikki. She was named... Um, the Children's uh, Literature Legacy Award um, for her 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 legacy of accomplishments. This book coming out in January is the sequel to or the companion to One Last Word, which was a book uh, chronicling voices of the Harlem Renaissance. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book that. Um, in one last word, has poems by uh famed poets, uh male poets of the Harlem Renaissance. And then mm-hmm. Nikki takes a line from their poems and using the golden shovel technique, she um she extracts a poem from this source poem. Beautiful, Ooh, amazing that powerful and she goes from there now into legacy which is women poets and each poem has an illustration by a different um uh female illustrator of color and it's just i, I i've read i think just skimming through five or six poems in legacy uh, uh one last word was in is one of my favorite books made for children uh and this is the sequel and it it holds up and it's exceptional and uh it's one that it's one that will be the book that nicole and matthew talk about all through 2021 Um, i'm excited (laughs) (laughs) but it's just it's a book that has a presence already and I, i can't wait for everyone to read it and then um Nicole, did you have any more that you wanted to share before I I wrap up? Okay, let me share briefly. Books I want to make sure other people notice are Green Lantern Legacy, uh, which is a comic written by Min Le, illustrated by Andy Tong, that um, is a Green Lantern story about um, a Vietnamese grandmother who uh, is, as it turns out, a lantern. And uh, her 13-year-old grandson, Thai Pham, uh, not only learns that uh, he uh, is is the grandson of a lantern, but also that he is inheriting this, and he is part of this legacy that he takes up, or that he he can choose to take up and does. And it's it's a fantastic, multi layered superhero story. It's wonderful. Another one I'll point out to uh, is the Night Diary by Vera Hiranandani. and she writes. Uh, a fictionalized story of her ancestors uh, taking place in 1947 in India, newly under British rule when India has been separated into two countries, Pakistan and India, and hundreds of thousands of people must flee. And Nisha, the main character in the story, is half Muslim, half Hindi. Uh, And she, she and her family have to leave or risk persecution because of this tension between Hindus and Muslims. Uh, it's it's a it's a beautiful story told through a diary of a girl communicating to her mom, and it's it's hopeful and ties in beautifully to the world we're currently living in, but pulls from the past strength from the past that the reader would be pulling that ancestral strength in reading it, while at the same time. The main character is pulling the strength from her mom, so it works in in a sort of meta way, and it's it's beautiful. So for those that have not yet read the Newbery Honor book, The Night Diary by Vera Hiranandani, it's one to to set aside time and read. It's beautiful. We love it. Well, as always, uh, I, first Nicole, I want to thank you for this conversation, the yes. the laughs, but also how serious we got was just like uh, it was exactly. Um, I think the conversation needed to lift up Tammy's book, our conversation, and really where everyone is is in the world Mm -hmm. and thinking about where we are. And I just want to give a shout out to our upcoming episode because we're about to be talking about elections. We're going to be pulling resources together. We're going to be talking. We're going to be talking about strength. And so uh, we hope you'll join us uh, in two weeks for our next episode. And On that note, thank you all for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast. We always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. When you do that, you help other people find us. You can find me, Matthew Winner, at Matthew Winner on Twitter.
0: And you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at Itty Bitty NY.
1: Thank you to DR Baker for sound editing on this episode. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag KidlitTheseDays or email us at KidlitTheseDays at bookriot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to hear next on the show. And on that note, may your coming days be storied and may the good stories. Keep on coming.